every time you've been screwed over, lost money, messed up, hasn't it made you stronger, smarter? And then funny enough, those exact moments, they never occur again because experience comes two seconds after you needed it most. And that's where we learn things. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today is not only going to be real fast, it's going to be really fun because the guest today that I've got specially lined up for you has been called the man with the coolest job in the world in a recent publication that was put out by Forbes magazine. So Steve Sims will be joining us in the studio here shortly. And uh, I got to know Steve uh, through his assistant who had sent me an email saying, hey, I think um, Sam Miller sent me an email saying, I think you'd like to hear from my boss. He's a pretty smart guy. Uh, he's doing some really cool stuff with his company. And so I started to dig in and look at his background and uh, it's a pretty amazing story. So I think uh, if you're open to it, Steve's going to kind of maybe help you shift your thinking and think a little bit bigger and ask for bigger things and uh, just see what's possible. So Steve is the founder of a company called Bluefish and Bluefish is one of the top personal concierge services in the world. He's also an expert marketer within the luxury, uh, the luxury industry. Steve's been quoted in a variety of uh, publications and TV, including the Wall Street Journal. Journal, Forbes, the London Sunday Times, the South China Morning Post, and many more. He's also the bestseller of a book called Blue Fishing. It's the art of making things happen. So he's a sought after speaker and consultant, and he speaks to a variety of networks and groups and associations, as well as the Pentagon and Harvard twice. So he will set up whatever experience you're looking for through his company, Bluefish. So if you wanted to sing with your favorite rock star, or if you wanted to be serenaded with uh, Andrea Bucelli, or walk on the red carpet with an A-list of uh, Oscar parties, get married in the Vatican, dive to the wreck of the Titanic. These are just a few examples and highlights of what Steve has been asked to provide for his clients. So he seems to make the impossible possible and uh, he's quoted as being uh, the real life wizard of Oz by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine. So as an entrepreneur in the truest sense of the word, Steve is well regarded within the luxury world for his innovation down to earth personality, which will come through as we uh, move into our interview. He's known for his honesty, integrity and doing things his way. So Steve creates experiences for clients that they could never imagined possible. So we're going to have him share how we can take this knowledge and we can roll it out to our businesses to do things for our clients and, and grow a business that we never imagined possible. So with that being said, I'd like to introduce you and welcome Steve Sims to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. So I'm super excited to have you on the show. So welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So looking at your background and looking at your social media and all the media attention you've got, I mean, you're a pretty amazing guy. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> Are you blowing smoke already? 
<laughs> no, no, no. I, now I might, you know, if I was having a guest and I might not say, Hey, I looked at your background. I don't like you. Cause you probably wouldn't be a, a guest at that point. Yeah. But, um, do you want to share with us just, a, an overview of, you know, who you are and what you do for our audience that may not know exactly who you are? I'm an East London biker that now, um, works with everyone from, from Branson, the Pope, Elon Musk, to the rich and unknown around the world. I, up until 2017, was a big deal to maybe about 200 people in the planet. These people just owned things like countries, and Forbes called me the real-life Wizard of Oz. I released a book in that year in the October uh, 2017, not whistleblowing on any of my clients, but more importantly, telling them how an uneducated biker from Britain gets to do all of this kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, it, it kind of, um, it set me on a different career path. So it's been uh, quite an exciting period, but that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I saw the article uh, on Forbes. It's a great article. And I mean, the, the photos there that, that you shared from um, your company, Bluefish, really are the who's who of the world. So you said your clients only own countries. So that's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. I've actually... I've, I've been to uh, I've been to three countries where the plane stopped mid runway and a car has escorted they've escorted me off of the plane into a car and I've never actually gone through customs. Three countries I've done that and that's wild. When the plane just stops yep. and you get the the police and a limo <laughs> turn up and they put the thing up and everyone's like, "What's going on?" And then they come to my chair and if anyone if anyone hasn't ever seen me. I'm a stunningly good looking lad. Um, I'm I'm basically 240 pound of ugly, you know, tattoos and goatee. And I look perfect on a motorcycle, but I look kind of weird when I'm in a, a palace. And that's the kind of things I get up to. So it's kind of funny where I where I go. So how did you get there? I mean, what was the transition? Because often people have this baggage that they carry. And I think a lot of that is their own decision to carry it. Oh, I had a bad childhood or I had a bad this or I had I grew up this way or that way. And they have trouble just imagining building a six or seven figure business. But I mean, you're working with the most elite people in the world and helping them with what they need help with. Yeah. Um, look, if it hasn't already been established, I'm a primitive individual. Everything I do has to be there for a purpose. It has to have an impact or what's the point? You know, that that's basically me. I'm not, a, I'm not pretty, I'm purposeful. And uh, actually that sounds good. I may, I may remember <laughs> make that. Make a note for, of that, yeah. Yeah, make for, for a meme one day. But I worked out when I was a bricklayer that all of my friends were poor and that we could only drink a couple of nights a week because we never had any cash to drink all the week. And so I realized that things had to happen. I had to make richer friends, uh, earn more money. And I thought the only way to actually be able to do any of that was to get to know successful people. And it was very primitive. You know, they say you are the combination of the five friends you hang around with. Mine were all ass broke on bikes. And <laughs> I never minded being on bikes, but I did mind the ass broke bit. Yeah. So I started, uh, I was working on the door and I started just talking and interacting a little bit more with the affluent clientele that we were coming in. And it would be a simple thing like, hey, Doug, you know, tonight's it's a bit quiet. You know, you may want to go and grab a, a beer around the corner and come back in in about an hour's time. You know, I'll save you space. Don't worry about the lineup. And just do something like that, yep. you know, to show that you were thinking of – I would actually – and I got in trouble with my, my boss at the club because I would have regulars turn up and I'd be like, boys, not tonight. And they were looking at me like I was going to kick them out. 
they hadn't even got in and I wasn't letting these regulars in. And they'd be like, but, you know, we were in here last night. And I'm like, no, 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 I haven't got a problem with you. I'm just saying tonight's quiet because a new club's just opened up around the block called Jimmy's. If you run around there, speak to Barry, tell him Sim sent you, he'll let you in. But that's where the action's going to be tonight. And I want you wasting your money and leaving here pissed off. And they would go, oh, cheers. And they would go. And I, when my boss would yell at me, I'd say, look, they're going to come back because they trust us now. Yep, you know, absolutely. they will. And if they would. They would come back and I'd be like, tonight's tonight, boys. Get in there. And I became this this conduit, this, this oracle of knowing where the events were. And then it was a case of, hey, you know, do, do you know where these parties are? Oh, Steve, there's this, there's this uh, launch for a new car. There's this jewelry party that's taken over this mansion. You know, do you know how to get in there? And I realized that to be in any relationship, again, keep it primitive, any relationship, someone's got to bring value to it. Now, if you look at the people in your circle, every single person in that circle brings you value. Now, they may bring you intellect. They may bring you a different perspective. I've got friends that are still ass broke, but they make me laugh. And I know every time in London, hey, I'm carrying the bar tab. That's fine. They just send me out laughing, and I love that company. That's value to a relationship. Sure. If there's anyone in your circle that, and I hear this classic, oh, but I've known them since childhood. Hey, shit, people change. Okay? (laughs) So that's not a commitment. You don't have to keep doing that. But if someone's in your circle that doesn't educate, motivate, challenge, push, make you laugh, support, pick you up when you cry, pick you up when you fall over. If they don't do that, they shouldn't be in your circle. So I started being a value to affluent people by being the person that could get them into parties. Then I started planning my own parties. And then people would say, hey, I'm going to the Monaco Grand Prix. Do you know how to get in there? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. I didn't know. But I'd be like, yeah, sure I do. And then I'll try and work it out. And I just, I just grew and my contacts grew. And I think my biggest talent was my ignorance. I wasn't fearful of the brands that I was dealing with. I wasn't intimidated by all of the cars and all the jewelry. I would literally roll up on a motorbike, and I still do. I'm I'm giving you this podcast here from my garage, and there's uh, currently eight motorcycles in it. I don't own a car. So I will just turn up to this party on a bike, get off, helmet in my hand, Go and do, go and negotiate, get my clients in, and then I'd go back. I was very, very easy to understand. People knew exactly what they were getting from me. And in today's insta-perfect world and overcomplication and shields of glory and look at me, I'm so successful and leaning up against a car that you don't bloody own, Yeah, I think they find that a little bit refreshing. And so I get a lot further with that transparency. Notice I don't say authenticity, transparency. That's the power. Well, but I mean, it still takes a certain thinking to for you to be able to do that. So, you know, um, how do you help? Because you said you do some business consulting as well as working with the clients in terms of the celebrity side. So how do you help business owners have that mind shift to understand, you know, like you said, ignorance. And I've told people that I'm too stupid to quit when I start something. Yeah, or, or I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be able to do that. I just thought, hey, I should do that. So I go and do it. And they go, well, you, didn't you know that that was impossible? It's like, well, no, I forgot to ask. So how do you help people? <laughs> I didn't get the email. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't, I didn't get the note, don't do that as difficult. I mean, you talked about, for example, before we started, you started a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, start, I started a, I, I literally, I was at an event. 
and um, I'd, I'd posted something on my social, uh, Steve D. Sims, and a uh, little plug there. And there was, it was a podcast guy chatting. And so I did a little video on him and I went, hey, should I do a podcast? And I asked my peeps and I got around in kind of like, hell yeah. So I thought, all right, I'll start doing it. So, so many people search perf- uh, for perfection. It's a case of, hey, if I'm going to do a podcast, I've got to have the right mic. I've got to have the right studio. Yeah, I've got to have this. I've got to have all the guests. Basically, that chasing perfection. And, and I have a little joke that I say perfection is a blue unicorn with three testicles. It doesn't <laughs> exist. So... For me, I just thought, all right, I'm going to do a podcast. So I, I looked online. Uh, I found this platform that we're both using called Zencaster. And I bought myself a, a cheap-ass microphone, plugged it in, started just you know contacting people that I knew. Thankfully, after 20-plus years, I know some interesting people. And we just started chatting. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. And I did 18 podcasts because I knew that when I came out, I wanted to be ahead of the curve. I didn't want to be like, oh, crap, I've got to release one this week. You know, what am I going to I didn't want to be that. I wanted to give myself a little bit of comfort zone. Yeah. So I knew that I had to have about 18 to 20 podcasts in the bag, would release about 8 to 10 on the first hit, and then I've kind of like got 10 weeks, you know, in front of me. But bottom line of it is when you get to like the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th podcast, you start going back to the original ones, and you go, my God, that's, that's a boiling <laughs> yeah. turd there. And so – you just delete it. But the difference is I got going and then I got good. Right. I ditched, I ditched the Yeti. I learned the difference between a compressor mic and a dynamic. Uh, so I'm on a dynamic now. I found a place in my home and it's literally in my garage. And funny enough, the mic and the camera, I needed to get to a decent height. And I had one of those little portable stands, which is like you know 10 inch high, which is great for a hotel room, but useless when you're sitting on a chair or on a desk. And then my wife had a camera stand, which I don't know why goes up to something like about 12 feet. And and that's too bloody high unless you're going to be filming the top of my head. And I had this green bucket. And this green bucket was like about 18 inch high, was an absolute perfect height. So I bought a decent mic and everything's now on my green bucket. (laughs) And so I've actually taken pictures of my podcast setup and people are like, oh, you know, the green bucket, you know, is, is that optional? And, oh, that looks high tech, that green. Bu-. So my green bucket has got the piss taken out of me. And here's a funny thing. A guy from a company, and I should give him a push, MeFoto, M-E-F-O-T-O, they sent me a stand, a really beautiful stand, okay? But it ain't my green bucket. <laughs> so I've kept my green bucket. I use that stand for other things. But, uh, you know, I'm a case of, again, as I said to you before, I'm not pretty, I'm purposeful. And this bucket gives me a nice wide stance to be able to stick things on, including a glass of whiskey at night when I'm doing yeah, a podcast. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, we, I mentioned that because I did notice that on your Instagram photo that you had this, uh, the um, galvanized uh, rusted tin behind you and then the screen bucket with your uh, MacBook on top. Oh no, I, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm just about to kind of like ruin ruin your dreams there. So the daft thing is, in my old in my old garage, uh, I've moved. I've, I, I'm in Los Angeles. And I moved to a different property. In my old garage, I had these galvanized cabinets, and they were they were really nice, and they were a really cool backdrop. Okay. In the new house that I'm in, it's a 1950s house and we're building a new garage and an extension and blah, blah, blah. So at the moment, I'm in a shitty wooden garage, okay? So I needed to get a backdrop that, again, was along my kind of metal, raw, kind of ugly feel. 
and I <laughs> I went out and I saw a piece of corrugated tin roof. Yeah. And I said to my wife, just shove that in the back of the car. <laughs> and I'm going to use that because it's all rusted up, beaten up, crapped on, just like me and most entrepreneurs. Perfect backdrop. So she's like, oh, we'll come back, we'll come back. So uh, she she thought up every reason for me not to just grab it off the side of the road. It was literally sitting on the side of the road. And so when I got back, about an hour later, she went, oh, I've organized your backdrop and stuff. The backdrop that you've seen and that's on my videos, on my Facebook page and YouTube and stuff like that, is a shower curtain. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it's actually, it's a shower curtain that looks like rusted up old corrugated. And all I've done is nailed it to a lump of wood behind me and that's my backdrop. So it's a shower curtain, $12.99 for a shower curtain. Oh, that works, doesn't it? <laughs> Green bucket and shower curtain. There you go. So let's dive down into some of the services that you offer. So why don't you share, you know, a couple examples of uh, events or programs that you put together. Oh, okay. Um, well, a bunch of people out there are probably going, well, who the bloody hell is this clown? I had a client uh, from North Europe contacted me and he wanted to have an uh, exclusive dinner in uh, Florence. And most people I know, they dream too small. So the more I get to know people, the less information they give me when they want something. They let me do the dreaming because I, I have a habit of dreaming big. So he wanted an exclusive restaurant in Florence. I actually closed down the Academia Museum that houses Michelangelo's David, the most famous statue in the world. I set up a table of six at the feet of David. And then while my clients were in an empty museum at nine o'clock at night eating dinner underneath the most iconic statue, I had Andrea Bocelli come in and actually serenade these six people. So that's the kind of stuff that I actually get up to. That's amazing. Like you said, people think too small. So did you always think this way? I mean, you talked about when your early days when you're working and you wanted more. So just share a bit about, you know, how you got your, your mind around these things are possible. Again, I think it was, um, I don't know how much of it was already in me, but I'm, I'm an Irish lad from East London. So I always wanted more, you know, as simple as that, you know, and if you wanted two sausages on your plate, you asked for three and then your mum would tell you off and you'd accept just two. So it was always this kind of like grab until you grab, can't grab anymore. I recall that, and given the example, and there's actually a, there's a dark side to that Florence story, which I'll tell you in a second. But when the client wanted the most exclusive restaurant, my idea was, okay, how far can we take it? Now, bear in mind, he would have settled at just a really good pasta restaurant. Okay. Okay. Because yep. that's where his head was. But I wanted to see how far I could go. And I thought, if you're going to be in Florence, a lot of the churches, when you go into them in, in Italy and Poland and France and England, they all look the same inside. They're all beautiful. But from the inside, from a photograph, you don't know where it is. If I take you to New York and in the backdrop is the Statue of Liberty, you know where you are. So I thought to myself, what backdrop can I have that can only be Florence. Now there's the famous bridge, there's the, uh, uh, the the Palazzo, but there's also David. And for a lot of people, they may not know David's in Florence, but they certainly know the statue of uh, the statue of David. Yeah. So I wanted to see how far can I go, and I'm a great believer in leveraging relationships. My websites, and I'm not here to pitch them, none of them have a phone number on them. None of them have a way of actually contacting me. Now, that may sound stupid in today's business, but there's all these people that go, hey, I'm a referral business, and they're not. I am a 100% referral business. 
So every client that comes to me comes from somebody else introducing them. And for that reason, whenever I need anything, like I needed the Academia Museum in Florence, the first thing I do is look at my Rolodex and I go, who do I know in Italy? Who do I know in Florence? Who do I know that's at a position that maybe if they contacted Florence, uh, the, uh, the Academia, they would listen to them. And I found a couple of clients, and my first client, luckily, was on the board of the charity that supported uh, the refurbishment of the academia. So you know what it's like. You know, you, you, you're playing this in the right circle, and before you know it, you've got access to anybody. Um, so I leverage my relationships because if I tell you now on this podcast, I've sent people down to the Titanic, I've got them married by the Pope, and every year I walk into the Oscar party with Sir Elton John. That's arrogant. It's all true. It's arrogant. It's self-promotion. It's pushy. It's salesy. But if your best mate was in a party and saw me walk through the room and went, Doug, that guy over there, he's worked with the Pope, Elon Musk, Richmond. If he said the exact same thing that I had just said, it's gospel and it's credible. Yeah, absolutely. So I always get other people to introduce me, other people to recommend me. And that's how I got the academia. Now, I'm going to give you the, the downside of that. I'm very, very good at never asking a question that you can answer with a yes or a no. I ask things like, so how do we make this happen? What would be the steps needed to pull this off? I, I engage in conversations. Never get a yes or a no because a no is the fastest. Nine times out of ten, it's the knee-jerk reaction. Hey, can I do this on Tuesday? No. Right. You know, it's just yeah. a reaction. If I say, hey, what would it need? What would I need to do to be able to do this on Tuesday? They can't go, no, because they sound like an illiterate <laughs> moron. So you, you get into an engaged conversation. But during this academia event, bear in mind, I had two days to pull this off. And the academia had approved it. There were a couple of people as I was walking around the museum, just citing it out for where the meal would be and everything. You could just sense the friction that they thought I was just some rich boy, you know, buying off things. Money is always the second, third, fourth chapter of a conversation. You walk up to Elton John and go, hey, how much will it cost me to have a piano lesson with you? He's going to hang up or get security to cart you out because, <laughs> yeah. you know, they don't want to. They're not for sale at that level. Yeah. Okay. So there was a couple of people that were giving friction and I could sense that they weren't too happy with what I was pulling off because it wasn't a common thing by far. So the night of the meal, We've got the table set up. It was stunning. The Davids there all lit up. The whole museum has been empty since about five o'clock in the afternoon. Andrea Bocelli is in a corner just warming up and testing the acoustics in the room. It was just incredible. And there was one of the curators of the museum very close to me that I knew had friction. Now, the check had already been cleared and I was already in the museum and the food was already being lined up on the table. So he couldn't kick me out. You know, it was too late for that. So when there's no liability, I wanted to have a little play with this guy. Because to be honest with you, originally, he'd irritated me. So I was like, hey, you know, how you doing? He's like, hello. I was like, yeah, sir, you know, you like this? Again, he's yes or no answers. They were of no liability to me, liability to me anymore. So I said to him, so you like this? He was like, yes, yes, I do. I said, is that table beautiful? He's like, yes, it, it is beautiful. I said, Can, did you ever think there'd be a table of six and Andrea Bocelli would actually be here to sing to them while they're eating their dinner? 
It's like, no, this is this is beautiful. My ego is about to blow the walls off of this museum. You know, I was full of myself and I was just digging it to this guy just to kind of like show that, oh, yeah, I pulled this off and you didn't want me to. So I turned around and on my last question, I actually said to him, so uh, how come we did this then? How come I was able to get this table? And I was expecting things like, well, you know, you know, powerful people, Steve, or no one's as connected as you or you're you're a brilliant negotiator. I was expecting my final tug. Okay. And he looked at me in the eyes and he said, no one's ever asked. <laughs> it killed my moment. And I suddenly realized that I had been pushing for the ultimate. Luckily, because of 20 plus years, my circle of influence, 99% of the time gets me in the rooms I want to be. And bearing in mind, if I had not got the academia, the client wasn't any wiser. I could have then gone to a church or a, a cathedral or a, a um a roof deck overlooking something. I could have scaled down and still been far higher than my client ever expected. Luckily, because of the way that I work now and who I know, I usually get the top draw when I first ask. But I suddenly realized people don't ask. People don't ask for what they want, which is sad on one element, makes me look brilliant. But you imagine what people would do, and here's where it gets dark, and I'm hopefully not twisting it, most people don't ask for what they want, not for fear of it not happening, for fear of people laughing at them that it didn't happen. Wow. Yeah, I mean... And that's the sad thing. You know, looking at your background and, and hearing that story, that's exactly... Um, I, I agree 100%. I was at a conference in San Francisco. It's the Direct Marketing Association, which is, for our listeners who don't know, it's the largest marketing organization in the world. And all the top brands are there. And uh, Sir Richard Branson was a guest speaker uh, the next morning. There's about 5,000 people in the room and there's video conference through the rest of the conference. And I'm sitting up the front row and, and he's speaking and they said, we're going to ask for people to come up and ask questions. And, you know, if you've been to enough of these events, you know, they'll put a microphone there and nobody wants to go first. And then once somebody goes, there's a flood. So I thought I'm going to go up and I'm going to ask him a question. But I was nervous because I was at the front of the room and I walked up to the microphone and I said, hey, I really like your presentation. And I like your point to whom much is given, much is expected. Now, so I have an unusual question. Can I have my picture taken with you? And I thought the worst thing he could say is no, in which case I would look silly in front of all my marketing peers and the room full of people. And the best he could say is yes. He said, yeah, yeah, come on up front. And I said, no, I want to come on the stage. He said, okay, come up on the stage. Then he realizes I'm about a foot taller than him. So he, he hopped on the couch and gave me a big hug and took a picture. And as I left, he went, no, there's, there's someone who's not afraid to ask for what they want. But that my thinking at the like you said was, if I blow this and he says no, I'm gonna look like an absolute fool. So when I left there, I wasn't. Although I was happy that I had a chance to briefly meet him, I thought this is a marketing conference full of other people. Why didn't anybody else think of that? I've got a I've got a little story that's very similar uh, to that, but I'm sadly a bit bit painful. I was walking through Glendale, which is a, an area just outside of Los Angeles, got this massive great shopping mall. And in front, I was with my wife and in front of me there were these two guys and in front of them, and this is probably politically incorrect, but one of the largest, fattest women that I've ever seen in my life. And she was as wide as she was tall. And what really caught my eye was that she had a bunch of Target bags on her arms, and so her arms were literally at three and nine o'clock 
holding on to these bags. And she had probably about five bags on each arm. I was watching her going two things. One, you're so wide, you've now done this with your arms, no one can get past you. So I found that a little bit rude. Secondly, her upper body strength to be able to support these bags, I was quite impressed with. The next step, she actually fell down. Now, because of her arms were at nine and three o'clock by the side, she was waddling like a penguin. She went down on the side of her face. Bags went everywhere. It was horrific. And she was a big woman. And it sounded like a massive lump of meat just went smack on this tile floor. It was, it was horrific. Two guys in front of me, thankfully, ran to her aid, couldn't grab her in time. No one was going to grab her. She was probably about 400 pounds. I got there, quickly tried pulling all her bags into her. Because of her weight, um, we were concerned about moving her too much in case she damaged anything. So we were being very careful. We brought all the, brought all the bags in so they were close to her legs so no one could run off with one of her carrier bags. She slowly started to come about, and her side of her face was all red. Swear to God, I obviously never saw her again, but I don't know if she broke something, but I'm sure she was battered and bruised the following day. She started looking around like a prairie dog. And I said to her, oh, you know, we've got all your bags here. Is there something missing? Is there a handbag missing? Is there some, maybe something that we hadn't seen go flying off into the crowd? And she was looking around. She said, no, 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 no. She said, I'm just wanting to make sure no one was videoing that. Now, this girl basically is in pain. She's hurt herself. And nowadays, all we're concerned about is the view of someone else laughing at us. I'm very fortunate to know very powerful and successful people. And I remember Elon Musk telling me they will laugh at you until they applaud. And it's just scary that fear is not what's stopping us anymore. It's people watching us and giggling and having an opinion that is actually more painful than anything now. It's more painful than any failure. Every time we failed, and you'll agree with this, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but every time you've been screwed over, lost money, messed up, hasn't it made you stronger, smarter? And then funny enough, those exact moments, they never occur again because experience comes two seconds after you needed it most. And that's where we learn things. Yeah, that's so true. And Elon Musk is a great example. I really like uh, his approach. I said, people love or hate him. When he's doing well, everybody's behind him, cheering him on. And then he does something that's controversial, then the haters show up, but he doesn't care. He just keeps plugging yeah, away. No he's care. got a vision and a mission, and he doesn't care what people think. Not a, not a care in the world. You know, the, NASA, NASA publicly used to ridicule him, and now they're his largest client. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, there's, lot, there's lots of people like that. But um, So why don't you um, tell us a little bit about the consulting work you're doing. So you've, you've done some work with celebrities. So if I want an, ex an extreme experience, I better set my goals really high and know that you're going to probably put them higher and going to deliver this amazing experience because you'll ask and you have the connections. How do you help businesses and business owners you know, from a consulting point of view? So it's funny. So as I said, I started going from, from nightclubs to ending up working with some of the largest award shows and sporting events in the world. And then what I started getting into, this was back, uh, I've been doing my concierge business for like about 24 years now. So about 12 years ago, I started getting contacted by the award shows themselves saying, look, 
How do we get a new genre of viewers? How do we get people to, to, to go to the after parties? What have we got? So I ended up marketing a lot of luxury brands and helping getting that message out there, talking to the new, ever-changing consumer, how to create a wow, how to create an experience over a transaction. You're buying something from Amazon is a transaction. Going into Tiffany and getting the blue box and watching them do the bow, that's an experience. So I was working with a lot of those people and I started doing a lot more stage work, a lot more speeches on delivering wow. And this started getting me onto a lot more entrepreneurial stages. And then when the book came out, I found that I got a lot more entrepreneurs going, hey, I run a textile company. I run a car uh, a group. I run a, a hat organization. I, I design apparel for yoga. I do makeup. I do uh, jewelry. You know, we want you to consult with us to show us how to refine our message. Who is our target market? How do we define our avatar? And I ended up working with these entrepreneurs to the point I built up something called the Speakeasy Community. And this is a monthly training program where I consult directly with the problems you've got. And I don't know everything, but I guarantee you I know someone top shelf that knows the answer to what you're looking for. So I've been working with uh, probably about 16 personal entrepreneurs and we do speakeasy events where you don't have to become a member. You can just go along to, a, we top these off at 40 people and we bring in experts from loads of different industries to solve your problem. There's no kind of preaching up there. There's no kind of, hey, look at me and now you can clap like a demented seal. It's a case <laughs> of what problem do you have that we can solve? How can I make you smarter when you leave this room than when you entered? And we launched a, an online course called The Distillery which is just, you know, it's a cheapy little thing. It's like $49.99, which is a bunch of videos. And every time uh, I do another video or get a decent interview, we plug it up on there. Uh, there's perks and events that go up. So it's an online community that's growing and growing as a resource and a library. So there's a, a lot of stuff going on that I never thought I'd be doing. So the distillery, I mean, obviously you're a whiskey fan and I heard you say that you're an Irish <laughs> an Irish lad. So I knew not to talk about Scotch whiskey while we're on the, on the podcast. <laughs> so what, um, so what is the distillery? So why, why would you, uh, you know, with what you've done and what you've built and the people that you help, why would you create a product like that? I just want to know what kind of your thinking behind it. So a lot of people need a lot of help, but they don't know what they don't know. So we put the book out there, and to be completely honest with you, the, the book hit bestseller and did really well. In fact, funnily enough, as we do this at this moment, it's a bestseller in Taiwan. It's, it's just gone international. It's actually written in Chinese now. Getting uh, 50 copies of a Chinese book released in Taiwan was kind of hilarious. But the book came out, me trying to get people to change and getting them back to the value of relationships and the art of communication. Because let's be honest, you can go on the app store now, you can download how to build an aircraft, how to shoot a gun, how to build a bridge, you know, probably how to do open heart surgery. You can't download an app that's going to teach you how to talk to another individual. You don't know how to communicate. And we're losing it because we're seeing the top of everyone's head from now on. Yep. So I wrote the book because I was aggravated. And like most entrepreneurs, we do things out of aggravation. If something doesn't work, we invent something that does. That's what entrepreneurs do. We solve problems. The book was my hope to solve the problem and get people to value in the, the actual ROI on a relationship and how to create one and keep it. The book then was a great way for people to get to kind of ask themselves questions. The distillery is the next step. Okay. It's where they can see videos. 
It's the behind the scenes of where the book come from. Hey, we spoke about this in the book, but you know how I got to that? These things happen. These are my scars. This is how it hurt. So hopefully you can avoid that pain to still get that experience. And then we wanted to create create other elements on there so that you could continually keep, keep growing. So again, we got my friends on there for like video casts, training exercises. If I'm involved in something and I go, hey, this is good, I'll come back to my garage here, shoot a video on what happened today, and I'll post it on there. So people can go, do you know, I never thought of that because they may not be having the same experience as me, but the problem is still the same. Right. Yep. So the, and I guess maybe the hope is that as people go through this process, um, if you help them scale your business, then they're obviously up to be a client for your concierge business as well. No. No? I know that sounds, that sounds really funny, <laughs> but I'm 52 years old. I live up in the hills in Los Angeles. I've got enough whiskey, enough motorcycles. I'm actually fine. Yeah. And the funny thing is we actually are closing down the website for our concierge firm because we've peaked at clients and we don't want to lose the bespoke treatment. So I'm actually not hoping that they're going to make millions of dollars and then phone me up and go, hey, I want to be your client. I'm hoping that they're going to make millions of dollars and then help other people. You see, I've spent 20 plus years spending rich people's money, giving them amazing cocktail stories. When you take an entrepreneur and you show them how they can double, quadruple their business, by quite often automating a lot and getting rid of the shit that they don't need to be focusing on, it helps not only them, but it helps the workforce. Their kids are now going to private school. They're now more stable. They can build. They can expand. They can grow. Far more people benefit by creating a successful entrepreneur than spending a rich kid's money to give them a cool story at cocktail. Yeah, fair fair comment. You're right. I mean, I mean the the money that's going to flow uh, into you know to, just to help other people too, and the not for profits and the people that need uh, that need funding and a hand up is there if the entrepreneur is doing well. Abs- absolutely. So maybe I'm getting glory glory <laughs> in my old age, but I'm at that point now where I'm a great I'm a great believer in being selfish. I really am. I won't go to a party. I won't go into a room. I won't go to an event unless I know what's in it for me. And there's a, I tell everyone, you know, when you're on an aircraft, they tell you, put the air mask on yourself first before you help others. Yeah. So my air mask is fine. And I believe every entrepreneur, once their air mask is secure and their mortgage is paid and their wife's safe and fed and their kids are warm and clothed, that's when you got to start looking left and right and see who else you got to help with an oxygen mask. So based on your experience of what you're doing, uh, what's some of the, I'm going to steal a Tim Ferriss quote because I see uh, a picture of you with Tim Ferriss. Tim yeah. yeah. And one of the questions that I, I saw him ask in one of his books, what's some of the bad advice you hear in business these days? <laughs> I love all of that. Yeah, no, Tim, Tim does do well on that. There's a lot of people, it's not so much the advice, it's the, hidden, it's the hidden statements that they never ask themselves. Too many people think you have to plan for perfection. And perfection does not exist. And too many people think, well, okay, I'm going to start doing this. All right, let me analyze this. And I'm going to do a data search. And I'm going to scrub for analytics to find out how this goes, what my readership is and stuff like that. Do it, put it out there, find out if 10 people like it. Do it again, find out if those same 10 people like it, or if you lost them. If they like it and you've got more, then you're in business. I'm a great believer in keeping things simple and stupid. I often find that people that don't really know what they're talking about are usually the ones overcomplicating the process. Okay, good advice. 
you know, I, my rules for advice are, you know, always find someone who's done what you want to do or is willing to pay the price you're willing to pay. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting looking at kind of your background and looking, you know, listeners, you're, you, there's an opportunity to buy a book uh, and, and get access to, to this sort of talent, information, education, and experience from someone who's gone before you. And, and I'm assuming that not everything has gone well in your life and you've had some, uh, some losses along the way. Tons of them. Absolutely tons of them. <laughs> I've, I've failed so many times in my life and I guarantee you it's, you know, it's Thursday. I'll probably fail on something tomorrow, but I fail up. Yeah. And I remember my dad once said to me, and he told me this when I was about 13 years old, and I had no idea what he was talking about, but he just looked at me in the eyes one day and he said, son, no one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned by staying there. <laughs> yeah. And then he just gets up and walks off. And I remember his little kid going, fuck was all that about? <laughs> yeah. But ever since then, I've realized that every time I've fallen off, fallen down, I've got up taller. And so I welcome those times when things don't actually go right, because I know the next step is going to be that I'm going to grow from it. So what are you most excited about in the next six to 12 months? I mean, you've got lots going on. Ooh, loads. Well, I'm doing, I've got Elton John's Oscar party in fact. Well, let me, let me give you my next three months. I'm in Mexico speaking at the Four Seasons in the next two weeks. I fly back directly to Vegas where I'm opening up for a mortgage convention called CRS. Then I come back, I throw my speakeasy in Los Angeles the 21st and 22nd. On the 24th, I go to Elton John's Oscar party with Elton John. Then I go to Vegas, San Diego, and then I'm speaking in Phuket, Thailand uh, with Travis Chappell on uh, the 15th of March. So that's just the next couple of months that's got me in two different countries and, and flying around airports. So it's just, I like to be excited. I like to be aroused. And if I'm not excited, I don't do it. So I'm a great believer that you've got to look for those opportunities of excitement and, and take them. But more importantly, be ready to take them. Yeah, I have nothing to say to that other than, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just <laughs> listening thinking, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, what is there any technology or any new strategy or is there anything that keeps you awake? Like, I mean, your schedule sounds like a really super busy schedule. And, you know, like you said you put a lot of value on your relationship with your family. So um, you've got some some balance there. Yes. But, is there, but is there anything that wakes you up in the middle of the night and you're thinking, man, I just got to get this out there? Is that is that the, the destiny or the distillery? Um, program the distillery the distillery is very important for me because i i'm really excited about people's growth i really want people to do do the best they can i actually want people to get out of the way of themselves and we know the most problems like the old the old kind of like when you point one finger to someone else as to blame four are pointing back at you yeah 99 percent of the time you're the problem and i've often said when i'm on stage Every morning when we're brushing our teeth and we're looking in the mirror, we're greeted by the slowest evolving technology that exists today. And so most things go wrong. You would not buy a washing machine if the warranty said, guaranteed to fail on a regular basis, it will go wrong. You just don't know when, but probably when you need it. But that's what we are. Right. We're human beings. And everyone goes, well, we're human. You know, we fail. We're flawed individuals. You would not buy a product given the warranty that we hold ourselves to. So I believe in increase your standards, get out of the way of yourself, and stop overthinking it. You know, if a bricklayer from London can be doing this shit, you do not have a leg to stand on with any kind of rebuttal. 
So where can people find you, Steve? Where's the best place for people to connect and learn more about you and, and what you're doing? And, um, you know, is your, I'm assuming your book's on Amazon. Um, when I'm done the podcast, I will make sure I order your book and uh, we'll head over to your distillery site as well. So where can they, uh, our listeners, check you out? Yeah, you got to tell me what I think of it. And if you hate it, just tell me. Um, <laughs> but you got a few different options. If you're in the U.S., grab your cell phone and text the word SIMS. That's S-I-M-S to 345-345. Or go over to stevedsims.com. And you're right, Bluefish in the Art of Making Things Happen is available on Amazon. Okay, perfect. And uh, where's the best website for people to uh, connect with you and your brand and and, uh, find the distillery program? Yeah, so that's on bluefishsteve.com. Or they can go to stevedsims.com. And there's a link on there called The Course. But if you want to go direct to it, it's bluefishsteve.com. Excellent. Any uh, any last uh, minute thoughts or comments you want to leave with our audience before we uh, sign off today? Yeah, try and do something today that scares the shit out of you. Even if it's tiny, just do something different. You know, if you go to work, go a different route. If you're listening to the radio station, turn over to a station you never would have listened to before. Just try something different today and grow from it. Well, excellent. Hey, thanks. I super appreciate your time today. You, you've got, uh, you left a lot of information there. Um, and I think there's lots of opportunity for our listeners to connect deeper and learn from you. So like you said, they can, you know, improve their business, improve the world. I appreciate it, Pat. Thanks for having me. So there you go, listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I was so looking forward to it. I had done such a deep dive on Steve and his background and looked at all the various things he was doing and just like the direction that he's going. So we'll make sure the show notes are transcribed. We'll make sure we put all the links in there for the show notes. And by the time this episode is aired, his podcast will be live as well. So we'll be happy to give a shout out and a link to his iTunes account or wherever it's going to be published so you can follow him there. So we thanks for tuning in and I look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.